0: Hello,
1: everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Friedman Files. I am uh, Jesse Ulrich. Oh,
2: and I'm Barry Friedman.
1: One day we're gonna get this. I to get we're, that's the cue. That's right. So, since you and I can't see each other, I can't like hold something up for you to see.
2: Right, a little musical bed or something.
1: That's true. We have a little musical theme for each of us. Like, and we're, and we're yeah. not in the
2: Bahamas anymore. There's no birds. There's no it, ocean. It,
1: yes, it's. It sounds sadder.
2: Yeah, and I'm sadder. But cooler, I'd imagine. A little bit cooler, and I sound better because somebody got me a whole microphone system. Well, I play to win when it comes to the podcasting
1: game, so can't do it without a microphone. All right. So this week, in our third episode, we're going to talk about the healthcare bill, and I'm doing air quotes for the people who can't see, which is everyone, uh, that just passed on Thursday and what's going to happen now, and then... For a brief moment, we are going to compliment the governor of Oklahoma and then bash her some more. All right, And then we will end with Barry's commentary. So we should jump right into it.
2: So, Acha,
1: as as Ezra Klein likes to call it.
2: Issue one! It sounds like a sneeze. An illness that you might have that's not going to be covered when you go to the doctor. Here's my first shot at it. Procedure. American Health Care Act... Originally entitled the world's greatest healthcare act. Remember that a couple mm-hmm. years, months ago. Yep. Like,
1: it's definitely got. It's definitely. It's, it sounds like a Yiddish word.
2: Yeah, they don't know from Yiddish. No, they they certainly don't. But they are hocking the poor. How's that? That's true. the Yiddish. Ding. You know, Warren Buffett said the Republican health care bill would be a huge tax cut for guys like me. And you would think that would be a big enough deal where people wouldn't support. But since nobody's poor in America, as John Steinbeck once said, just temporarily embarrassed millionaires, many think they would be buffet if not for government regulations and taxes on their $55,000 per year salary. The weird thing is, here's how the premiums would change. For example, 64-year-old making $26,000 would pay $1,700 per year in 2026 under Obamacare, thanks to its subsidies. But under the GOP plan, the premium would be $14,600, since its tax credit would not offset as much of the cost. Now, the premise seems to be that people will only care about premiums. If they go down, they will be satiated. The young and healthy have, in effect, been subsidizing the old and the sickly, but, you know, that's the way insurance goes. That's how society gets done. And how about this? Suck it up. You're going to get old someday. Your prostates will enlarge. And you, too, will get hypertension. So the system isn't working that way. As long as we don't have single payer, that's how it works. Now, it's pretty telling that GOP thinks it can sell the notion that premiums will decrease, but nobody will notice that nothing gets covered. Now that it's done away with mandatory coverage for certain procedures, especially for women. Here's the parallel. Stay with me on this. So you remember how years back the Department of Transportation decided that automobile manufacturers had to make bumpers that could withstand five mile per hour crashes with no damage to the car. Mm -hmm. The manufacturers fought it and they wanted it to reduce to 2.5 miles per hour. And they said by doing so, insurance premiums would go down. So say you were paying $1,000 per month with the 5 mile per hour provision and you pay $850 with the 2.5 provision. That's great, right? But let's say you get hit by a car going 3 miles per hour and incur $1,500 damage to your car, which would have been nothing under the old provision. So you save $150, but now we're out $1,500. Clearly, even if you benefit from ACHA, you'll pay less in premiums. But should anything happen to you, you'll be socked on that end of it. I don't know how you sell a message like that. I don't know who could sell a message like that. Apparently, the majority political party in the United States can sell a message like that.
1: Well, I think if they, if they could sell it, they wouldn't have tried to rush it through so quickly without, without a CBO score, without most of them reading it. It's I mean, Again, there's this weird philosophical problem where Republicans don't believe in universal health care as an idea, right? They view the, the health insurance industry as an, in, as an industry just like every other insurance industry, right? Where liberals believe in health care, Republicans believe in health insurance.
2: Even in and- 2008, John McCain was asked in the debate with Obama... Is health care a right or a privilege? And he stumbled and he finally came around to saying it was a right. Well, that's gone. It is considered a privilege now. The problem is for people who support this plan and who hated Obamacare, hated ACA, go back to 2007. Your premiums never went up, your coverage never went down. you always got somebody on the phone. there was never an argument. Doctors love the plan. Doctors came to your house with black bags and lollipops. I don't know what people are thinking. It was unsustainable. You had 30 to 40 million uninsured Americans. It was not working back then. There's no good days. America was never great in terms of health care, certainly not the last 20 to 30 years. So I'm not sure where the selling point is here. Other than, and this is the big one, individual mandate I guess people feel like they do not want to be told they have to have insurance they don't mind it with auto insurance um, and they want to be able to buy insurance when they want to buy it but the system crumbles if you can buy insurance on the way to the emergency room and then drop it on the way back
1: I mean states require you to buy car insurance right which right. is really no different than the individual mandate.
2: It isn't. They would say, if you don't drive, you don't have to buy insurance. But that would also mean that if you own a business, you don't have to buy you know, malpractice insurance if you're a doctor or other insurances if you're a restaurant. And so if you start saying to people, you don't have to be part of the system, whatever the system is, um, the whole thing falls apart. Again, I'm not sure where the guy making $55,000 a year thinks it's burdening him to 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 be insured, to have a single-payer system, or to have a system where everybody's in the game.
1: Honestly, I would be fine if they somehow made it where if people, just like letting people join Medicaid or Medicare, right, turning it into a single-payer but still leaving the health insurance industry around for people who don't want to do that right fine you have your principles buy your own insurance it's like i you know anyway now when people are polled people now believe healthcare is a right so i don't know why the republicans were celebrating this like maybe it won't go as terribly for them in 2018 as people are predicting now on the other hand there's going to be a time when people's premiums may go down but people are going to start getting into medical emergencies and be going back into bankruptcy because of it
2: but the, the sales pitch is no one's going to force you to have insurance if you don't want it. And if you're well off, the 3.5% that you're no longer going to have to pay to fund ACA is gone. So for the very rich, it's a benefit. And for people who feel like they, uh, the government has its foot down on their neck, they also win. It's short-sighted to us, but I think that's how they sell it. That's why it, it works.
1: I mean, the individual mandate was such a small amount that never actually went into practice. It never actually happened. The IRS never actually got around to tracking it.
2: Oh, it took, for the first two years, they took your word for it. Yeah. Now you have to prove it, but I'm not sure, um, even with the penalty, that it made sense uh, to have insurance if you really didn't want it. And the cities were good. The subsidies yeah. did make it possible that you could afford insurance. And look at the insurance numbers that went down, the uninsured numbers that went went down. And insurance costs had have been, have been slowed in this nation. So again, the problem is, I think, that individual mandate. And the rich did not want to help fund
1: the system. In a time of growing income inequality, I think it's really going to be stark and it's really going to hurt. E- even people who philosophically believe that you don't want to tax the rich because they themselves might be rich i feel like still are still going to see this at least not all of them but some of them might see this as the huge as a huge tax break to rich people which is what it really is that's like the biggest part Mm -hmm. and honestly i have not heard the people i know who are quite wealthy complaining about this over the past couple years they seem to be still doing just fine so i don't know well that's Uh, that's what everybody's hoping that yeah.
2: the and you don't it doesn't help their cause when Republican legislators come out and say no one's ever died from lack of health care. Yeah, that guy. Or they see a big party after the vote. Uh, none of that stuff looks good. The the fear is that none of it matters. It's not like any of this is a surprise that Trump and the Republicans haven't been talking about this for years. I'm not sure what people thought was going to happen. The greatest line ever about, about government and health care is the senior citizens who complain, you know, get government out of my Medicare.
1: So going with that, you know, get, my, get the government out of my Medicare person, like, is this the, at some point, I've always believed there has, there has to be a breaking point where people who vote Republican, like, are so drastically affected where the people they elected are doing things that specifically hurt them. Over and over and over again. Like, are they eventually going to snap out of it?
2: Well, realize? When those laws and those policies go from affecting their self-interest to affecting their survival. And I think if you get enough Republican legislators who hear from enough people who uh, have testicular cancer and they can't get it covered, I think then you will start affecting people. But until then, it's everybody else. It's tax cuts. It's more money in my pocket. It's government burdening me and keeping me back from becoming Warren Buffett. So let's talk about what happens now. So- it goes to the Senate. They bury it. It goes away. And nothing <laughs> happens with it. Or they cobble together a really awful compromise, which gives the Republicans some claim of keeping their promise to doing away well with ACA. And Trump's science. And the full effects of that won't be seen for fifteen, or maybe ten years from now.
1: Well, and what's even so yeah, so like the worst case scenario is that the, the senator the Republican senators come up with something that is somehow appeasable to both the moderates and the Freedom Caucus in the House. And they
2: Well, the moderates in the Senate and the Conservatives, the hardliners in the House
1: yeah and then trump signs it and then we're all screwed um the more fun yeah their issue but he the more fun scenario that i'm hoping for is that the senate comes up with a bill which actually just sort of fixes the problems in obamacare originally right um you know a couple republican things thrown in fine um and then they have to send it back to the house and then the committee process happens, and that just goes on for months. As they and then eventually
2: dies. Yeah, if, if there's a compromise in the Senate, and if moderate Republicans get together with Democrats and say we can we can deal with this, we can live with this, goes back to the House. Tell me where the compromise is going to be. This one they only got out by five votes, and they got it out because Ryan and everyone said this is this is our charge. We have to do something. I, I don't think. I don't think they're going to be able to come up with compromise, but I didn't think Trump was going to be president.
1: Yeah. The fact that they were able to get this passed by saying the Senate's going to fix it is so, like, it's such a short-term gain for, like, a long-term loss, because you don't look responsible. Like, none of these people are responsible for doing this. They look like they're literally passing the buck. That's what they're doing. Right. And, you know, Using that terrible phrase that people hate and that, that was used negatively when it was first said that you know the Senate is the the saucer of the teacup of democracy or whatever that saying is <laughs> if the Senate actually does that this time, like I, I don 't think Trump will be able to let it go like uh, uh, there's a Washington Post article today that i 'll put it in the description of the episode about how Mitch McConnell 's been able to sort of wrangle Trump like Trump has never said anything bad about Mitch McConnell right and like mm-hmm. how how has that worked mostly because a lot of trump's staff it's former McConnell people, but also like he, he's a lot more quieter. He, you know, um, has somehow been able to sort of coax Trump in certain areas and sort of just ignored him when he needed to, but not upset him. And I, I don't know. I don't know how that survives this. Cause this is gonna, it, even if, even if the worst case scenario happens, it's still going to take some time. It's going to be like a month or two of the Senate going over this.
2: Well, the, 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 the road is littered with, Democratic and progressive commentators who said the Republicans will pay for this, this policy. Yeah. Remember when they shut down the government? Mm-hmm. Remember when they kept Merrick Garland off of the court, and now this. So to say the Republicans are finally going going to be punished for their reaction, for their actions and their policies is a wish. I mean, Trump had three terrible debates. The business about grabbing a pussy. Name it. None of that stuff, Matt. So a bill that would do away with Obamacare, which everybody knew they were going to do, that's going to derail the Republican train? It'd be nice, but there's no history that tells us that that the Republican voters turn on Republicans For being too Republican. They turn on Republican, uh, too moderate. That's why you have people like in Oklahoma uh, running to the right of Jim Bridenstine. There is no to the right, but they're finding it. Mary Fallon gets in trouble in Oklahoma, and this might be a good transition, for actually being moderate on certain issues. She's applauded by Democrats, but there aren't enough Democrats to hear the applause. So I'm not sure where the Republicans in the Senate say we need to be mature and come up with a compromise here. We need to reinstate all the pre-existing condition exemptions. Tell me where the votes are on the Republican side. They've all left. Yeah. Or been marginalized. Oh, on that happy note,
1: let us transition to Oklahoma. Yeah. And may it be said that we don't just speak negatively about Republicans and conservatives on this podcast. We applaud them when they do what I consider to be sort of a standard rational thing. Mm -hmm. And so, would you like to explain the good thing Governor Mary Fallon did?
2: Just briefly, she vetoed a bill that was written by the payday loan industry that would really burden the poor who need payday loans. And so, without getting too specific here, the new legislation would have allowed them to charge interest rates of about $300 on a $1,500 loan over a month. And Mary Fallon said, uh, it's too onerous, and she vetoed it. So she deserves some credit for that. And the hope was always when Fallon was reelected that she would be sane in my mind, on the margins. So if you got to the really awful gun laws or the really awful uh, fetal heartbeat laws and other things, she would veto those. And she has. What happened in Oklahoma this past week, which is horrendous, is they put together a commission, a year-long commission study, 300-page report that said executions in Oklahoma... They've been botched, they've not been handled well from the beginning. We need to have a moratorium on them until we straighten the whole thing out. Scott Pruitt, when he was attorney general, and now our EPA chief, is the one who stopped the executions last year. Our new attorney, attorney general looked at this report and with about forty-five minutes said, Thank you very much. The executions will proceed. He's up for re-election probably going to be re-elected. So there's the, the dark cloud hanging over Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh,
1: so the the massive clusterfuck that is the Oklahoma budget deficit continues, which gained a new ally this week.
2: Former Mayor Dewey Bartlett, a oral guy, uh, said we should go back to the gross production rate. Uh, it's been down to 2% in Oklahoma, and even the socialist enclaves of North Dakota and Texas, it's 7% or 10%, and it was 7% in Oklahoma, and he said we shouldn't pick and choose, and we should go back to those rates, and he got some flack from it, uh, but he's right, and the argument that we need the tax is low, otherwise people won't drill here, they're going to drill where the oil is. That's what George Kaiser said. We drill where God put the hydrocarbons, and we've talked about this before. I think the two major issues in Oklahoma in terms of the budget were the tax cuts over the last ten years and the gross production tax. You that cost the state about 1.2 billion over the last eight to ten years. Budget deficit is about 1.2 billion or about a one billion. This is all a little too easy. It's not this simple. But that's the headline. So what they've tried to do is raise taxes on cigarettes, uh, tattoos, dry cleaning, uh, haircuts, and none of that stuff is going to balance the budget. The problem in Oklahoma is institutionally you can't raise taxes without a 75% of the vote in the Congress or it has to go to the people which takes over a year on a state question. So they pretty much can go home unless they're going to deal with the gross production tax and the tax cuts. And Mary Fallon Mary Fallon actually threatened she's going to veto the bills until she gets some revenue enhancement, something to do with the deficit. Now, of course, she pushed the tax cuts over the years. But again, it sounds like last two years of her, her reign, she's decided to be sane. And to be fair, she's not been been as awful as people say. She has, around the edges, been responsible. She's vetoed some gun legislation. Uh, I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, there was a case of the uh, adopted Native American child, and the court decided she had to go back to her Native American parents, even though she was her Native American mother. Uh, And she said that court ruled that. And we're going to send the kid back. So she's done something, which I think the left has to acknowledge, uh, with all the awful that she's done. And it's awful. And uh, this week, especially with that payday loan industry bill, she vetoed it. Deserves some credit. And the even sadder part is that that we know,
1: we know that at least when state questions get put to the people and the people vote, that people in the... House Representatives in the state of Oklahoma like to dismiss that, apparently.
2: So, Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about that last week? The, the state question to... Uh, we did not. Decriminalize, to decriminalize uh, some of the drug offenses. And uh, this session, some legislators decided uh, voters didn't know what they were doing, so they reinstated those penalties, reinstated the criminality of some of the drugs. It's a tough what's the,
1: Yeah. What's the the legal standing of that? Like, can't I know who would have standing to sue in that regard, but is it where in the Oklahoma Constitution can the House has a representative sort of veto something that the the people have voted
2: on? That's a good question. Like a lot uh, of things I'm going ahead. to wind up in court. I yeah. have no idea.
1: Hey, and by the way, to give credit where credit is due, Scott Pruitt has recused himself from the lawsuits that he started as Attorney General of Oklahoma towards the EPA as they continue, even though they're probably not going to, these lawsuits <laughs> aren't going to continue anyway, he did recuse himself. So there's that. It's oh. so a good job, everyone.
2: Barrel being scraped. We continue.
1: Well, that finishes up the, you know, the dual part of this podcast. But before I go and Barry does his commentary, I want to again thank you all for listening. We'll probably be taking a week off while Barry is out of the country. And hopefully he will enjoy himself. And hopefully come back Yes, hopefully I've heard this place I don't want to give it away Even though you're probably Posting about it on Facebook But yeah. I'm going to Iceland so He's going to Iceland Hopefully he'll ride The little ponies It'll be hilarious yeah. Sleeping in a You know in an
2: ice bed All the and ice maybe, And And maybe walk by All the jailed banker And wave They jailed yes. the bankers After the financial collapse Of 2008
1: You might You might love it so much You just might decide To stay And we'll Never see you again
2: but we'll do the podcast from there.
1: That's true. Iceland does have internet. Probably better internet than America does. So I'm Sure it does. Um, so so we'll be off for a week, but we'll be back. And uh, again, we, we are now officially on iTunes. So please subscribe there and leave us a review. That's how other people will find us. And we are also on all the other podcasting services, Stitcher and Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Freeman Files. We're there. And don't forget to check out Barry's almost daily posts on com, which, again, will also be on vacation for the next week, but he's going to be putting up some uh, some classics, as it were. Yeah. So, the hits, as it were. So, the greatest hits. The greatest hits. The number ones. And um, and so with that, Barry, you want to take it away?
2: Yeah. Albert, Albert Camus said, a long time ago, this is a choice of civilization. It's not a choice between two different programs or two different political figures. Let's be completely honest. This is a choice between two kinds of France. This is what's at stake. Well, this weekend, and it sure looks this way, Macron, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but he won, who is a horror, apparently. He's not well liked by anybody, uh, but he's not a disaster. Uh, Marine Le Pen is and was. Dressed up anti-Semitism is still anti-Semitism. So there was a joke between the choice between Trump and Clinton. It would be like sitting on a plane and the flight attendant comes by with the food cart. And you ask, what is there for dinner? And she goes, we have chicken or we have ground glass and shit. And you asking, how's the chicken prepared? Well, the French today said, just give me the chicken. The point of all this, the enemy of the perfect was not the enemy of the good. The French got it right. We didn't. So how about this? For a while, at least. No more French jokes.
0: Graceland to Memphis, Tennessee I'm going to Graceland Poor boys and Pilgrims with families and We are going to Graceland My traveling companion Is nine years old He's the child of my I didn't know that As if I didn't know my own bed As if I'd never noticed The way she brushed her hair From her forehead She said Losing love Is like a window in your heart Everybody sees You're blown apart Everybody sees The wind blow." Graceland. Memphis, Tennessee, I'm going to Graceland. Poor boys and pilgrims with families, and we are going to Graceland. And my traveling companions is a ghost in empty sockets, I'm looking at ghosts and empties. But I've reason to believe we all will be received in Graceland. Girl in New York City Who calls herself the human trampoline Sometimes when I'm falling, flying Tumbling turmoil I say, whoa, so this is what she means She means we're bouncing at the Graceland And I see losing love is like a window in your heart Well, everybody sees your flow Everybody feels the wind blow Ooh, in Graceland, in Graceland I'm going to Graceland For reasons I cannot explain There's some part of me wants to see Graceland And I may be obliged to defend Every love, every ending Or maybe there's no obligations now we have a reason we to believe we, believe. we all do.